Are you ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 30th episode. With the XFL shutting down their regular season, we are left to wonder what could have been if the second half of the season would have unfolded. With this in mind, I have invited Mike Mitchell to the podcast to discuss the current situation with the league and to talk about how the XFL succeeded to impress the sports world, even in the abbreviated season they had. Are you ready? As usual, we won't waste any time. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Mike Mitchell back to the podcast. Now, many of you know Mike for his insightful articles about the XFL and on XFL Board and XFL News Hub. And we can always look to Mike for inside information about the XFL. And, of course, Mike has been reporting on the New York Guardians for XFLboard.com. And I'd like to thank him for doing that because he's done a fantastic job. Welcome, Mike. Um, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate the kind words. You know, I don't just, you know, this is not about me, but it's more about the league in general. I don't consider myself an insider, even though, you know, I'm privy to information and sometimes I'll relay it if I'm allowed to. But, you know, more of a writer, as you know, been writing for the league since writing about the original league in 2001 and been writing about this league uh, since 2018. So I appreciate it when people call me an insider, but I don't really consider myself one. You know, I'm more more of a writer. But anyway, we have a lot more important stuff to discuss on this podcast, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, I I, I agree with you about you being, you don't bill yourself as an XFL insider, but I have to say that I have heard some good inside information from you. So I'm going to tell you. Yeah, that's you true. I... We've had some interesting conversations for sure. No question. <laughs> All right. So now the big news, obviously, is uh, the XFL is closed. Now, the XFL did not have any choice in this matter with other leagues closing and health and safety ramifications became paramount really quickly. And legal ramifications were also there. So the XFL had to close. And I guess we have to wait for a new new XFL season then, don't we? It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, um, it's hard to put into words like the feelings. It's season has come and gone so fast and it's left us in the most unimaginable fashion. Um, You know, obviously the whole world right now has kind of been uh, brought to a screeching halt because of the coronavirus. It's not a fun topic to talk about or cover, but it's the reality of the world we live in right now. And the XFL is not closing up shop because they weren't succeeding with the quality of their product or, you know, any of that kind of stuff or any of the things that have plagued uh, leagues like this in the past. It's just really unfortunate for a new young league like the XFL, who was really starting to make its headway and and um, for it to have to put a stop to the season. But it was extremely necessary move, as you can see by what's been going on in the world. And um, it just the XFL couldn't proceed forward. And so that's just you know, it's, it's tough for any XFL supporters out there, people who love the league like myself, like yourself, like many others. It was it was kind of tough, but I think everybody realizes that it was what, what needed to be done. Yeah, in the past, you and I have talked about scenarios that would cause the XFL to stop playing. And we talked about things like financing and we talked about negativity of the media and, and neither one of those things is what stopped the XFL this year. It was a pandemic, right? Yeah, we never we never even bothered discussing that. We never talked about a meteor uh, strike in the earth or any kind of like a crazy nuclear attack or obviously the pandemic that we're that everyone is experiencing going through and all that. So, yeah, it's the last scenario. Um, and it's just it's just hard to put into words right now because everything doesn't you know, the, the universe is a different place. We don't know what's to come in the days and weeks and months ahead. And hopefully it's better times and a better place and a better world. So. We'll see how that goes. But obviously the XFL was a victim to it, just like every other sports league. Yeah, you know, it seems like deja vu for people like you and I that were around in uh, 2001 and the rug was pulled from under the XFL then. But it's not quite the same this time, obviously, since the XFL has said it will be back. Yeah, and then, you know, we, we've kind of known from the beginning, even before the season, we did a show with Anthony Miller, another another great writer, contributor to XFL board and many other places. He's excellent. And we did a show where we, we kind of like put it laid in on the line and said, hey, uh, do you think the XFL will have a second season? And we all pretty much in tandem agree that they will. 
And we feel like, you know, with the financial backing of Vince McMahon, his goal, which I think the XFL is like a bucket list item for him, he's determined to make this work. And then based on the quality we saw in the first five weeks, um, the league's partners, how well the league was doing in specific markets and, and how they were comparing, even with as some people would label dwindling ratings, how they were comparing to other sports properties out there and how they were fitting in very nicely for a first-year league. So, um, you know, there was a lot of promise there. So I think all along, it's no surprise to us who've been following the league that we kind of expected a year two, even if year one of the XFL had its peaks and valleys and had ups and downs. We we feel like this is uh, a league that's, you know, built for the long term and that's at least determined to give it a, a legitimate shot, not a one and done type scenario. Of course, you know, it's it, it still does not seem like a one and done league like it was before. So we can take solace in that knowing it will come back. Uh, although I guess the whole point right now is we have to be patient and wait for it to come back into the, and kick off in 2021 now, don't we? Yeah, and we we don't know what form and what scenario, what the league will look like. We kind of have an idea that, you know, let's hope the world gets back to normal and the sports world gets back to normal. That, um, you know, a lot of the XFL teams will retain the rights to the players that go to the NFL and then maybe come back. And then perhaps there'll be a draft, free agency. Who knows with the XFL? I mean, one step at a time, we'll get there. But um, there's a lot of fascinating things to follow. You just hope the... uh, the entire world and the sports world can resume uh, all their activities and get back to normal. And then the XFL can get back to normal too. So hopefully the next month or two will be telling in a positive fashion for the league. Yeah. Let's just hope uh, we can have hope. Uh, at least if we can't watch football, we can retain hope that things will get back to normal and we can actually have our football back. Uh, now the uh, right now with the XFL players, I'm assuming they're all being sent home or have been sent home. Now they're being looked after, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, you know, um, earlier today, unfortunately, um, you know, information got out that one of these, I don't know if you're privy to this, I'm sure you are, but one of the Seattle Dragons players, unfortunately, tested positive for the coronavirus. This came, uh, the positive test came 24 hours after the league announced that they would be suspending their season. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the players, this particular player was active and played last weekend against Houston and the week prior against St. Louis. So a lot of the players are going through physicals and testing to make sure everything's on the up and up and everybody's okay. The specific player uh, is being quarantined and taken care of. So it's not, it's not a fun situation to discuss, to be honest with you, but it's the reality that we're in right now. So, you know, it's, as it turns out, it was the best possible thing that the XFL could have done. They didn't realize they had a player that was going to test positive for the coronavirus when they suspended the season, but it's the best thing that they did suspend the season. So most of the players, in fact, probably all the players are going to go back home uh, and go into self-isolation to make sure they don't spread any coronavirus to any of their friends or loved ones. Yeah, that would be that would be the move there. And then, of course, the XFL is covering uh, all the players were receiving health benefits. That was part of the their contracts with the XFL. So the XFL covers all health coverage and all the players, their travel expenses are being taken care of. And then obviously that's a really great thing that the league has done. And I'm actually not surprised from it. I know Vince McMahon has a uh, negative reputation, at least with a lot of different people out there. But even with the original XFL, when the league folded, he honored all his commitments and contracts to the players, coaches, everybody who worked for the league. That's one thing people can't criticize with Vince McMahon. His checks don't bounce and he honors his financial commitments. Yeah, that's that's clear. And that's something that we... Uh... That's something we predicted would happen with the XFL, and it's it's obviously being carried through, which is nice to see. Now, I'm sure XFL staff and coaches are also being looked after appropriately, and a lot of them are probably having to go into self-isolation now due, as well uh, due to their proximity to uh, players that may, be, uh, may have the virus. Right, and I think a lot of people like us fans, a lot of the coaches, too, are also like heartbroken that the season came to an end. So a lot of them... A lot of them were in the dark. They didn't know how the league was going to proceed. And I was in contact with a few of them before the official announcement was made on Thursday, which was two days ago as we're recording this. But it seems like a week ago. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, so a lot of those a lot of the staff members and all that, they're all disappointed because they were so happy to be a part of the league. And the league was showing so much progress. And the best was yet to come. That's the big thing. You know, we went through the first half of the season and we we had the playoff push coming and the playoffs itself. And and so. We, you know, we, the, us, the fans, the players, the coaches, staff members, team members, all that stuff, everybody part of the league uh, is going to unfortunately miss out 
on what would have been a great climactic finish for the league. Really, that's one of the major disappointments that we never got to see the second half of the season, which was building up to be something that was going to be quite fun to watch. Now, is there anything else the XFL needs to do to wrap up this season that you can think of? Well, you know, it's tough to say because because, you know, we, we don't know if they're going to resume play or do any type of playoff scenario. Uh, we don't know where we're going to be in about a month from now. Um, the players are being taken care of, which is important and is great shines a great light on the league. I'm not surprised by Oliver Luck's leadership and just the way the league handles itself from a dignity and grace standpoint to see them do that. As far as what they can do league-wise, I know they've had a lot of meetings and the league is trying to figure out what they're going to do moving forward, provided everything works itself out in the country in terms of the pandemic that we're currently going through. So We'll see how it goes. I mean, but I don't know if any like, you know, major changes or, or any kind of alterations that can be made to the league at this moment. Yeah. OK, good point. Actually, some good points there. Now, I don't believe this is a big financial hit for the league because weren't they already committed to lose money on this season? Yeah, um, the money was committed. You know, they were the money was committed for three years. And that's why Vince McMahon took his own money, his own stock and set it aside and basically is funding Alpha Entertainment, which is the XFL, basically. So that, that money's there already. It's like uh, the money's in the bank for the league. Now, as far as profits go, the league was doing pretty well on that end. They've got a couple of very good sponsorships with Progressive and Bud Light Seltzer and all that. They were doing well locally in terms of local sponsors, specifically in St. Louis. They had a very favorable uh, stadium deal with St. Louis, which was – a great deal for both sides, both the St. Louis Commission and for the XFL. The XFL was getting 100% of the ticket sales um, for the St. Louis Battlehawks uh, ticket sales. And so they, they did really well at the gate, the first two Battlehawks games. And there was a nice um, split between the commission and the XFL in terms of some of the other things and the other profits there. But the XFL was doing well financially there. And obviously they would have stood to make more money. With uh, the games that were coming, there are 20 more regular season games and then the three playoff games. So, yes, there was some profits there to be made for the rest of the way. And unfortunately, the XFL won't see those profits, but it's not something where they can't survive uh, not get having them. It would have been nice to have them for sure, but there's nothing they can do about it, basically. I don't think it's a crippling financial hit they're going to take. No, not at all. Right. Another place where I feel they're going to take a hit is because now they have... They have only had an abbreviated opportunity to make an impact in, in their chosen markets and nationally, of course. Right. Like, yeah. You know, there's there's no question. That's a good point. You know, we know about a few of the different markets that were doing pretty well. Obviously, there's two specific that everybody can think of. You know, uh, St. Louis and Seattle was doing really well. D.C. was, you know, OK. They were building up a good fan base. The beer snake thing was growing in popularity. Almost reached the top of the stadium last weekend, so there was that was a fun atmosphere. Audi Field is great. Yeah, the longer the teams would have been around um, and been able to complete a season, the more you know fans were just getting into the teams, the identity of the teams. They were getting to know the players. Um, so that's the unfortunate part of the season ending halfway through is that fans were just now and the teams were just starting to get used to each other and the league rules and everything and the fans were getting used to the teams we we got we kind of got used to the style of the team's play and and all that and it was they all had their own personalities unique personalities so it's tough the longer you're in the market the more you can build up like long-term familiarity with uh your audience so that this kind of halts that but i think some of the some of the xfl teams a good portion of them uh, did a good job of connecting well, pretty much all of them did a great job of connecting with their local markets and it's something to build upon now what the league ends up doing moving forward with each market that remains to be seen but I think there were some very good positives along the way yeah definitely some positives and I, I think some of the uh, some of those positives could have been uh, expanded and uh, of course they won't get an opportunity now until maybe next fall to continue on with them and, and of course and you know that beer snake was just an infant and yeah, now we poor, now poor we thing. the poor thing we'll never get to see what it becomes. <laughs> yeah, that was something else. You know, and it, it was great to see the energy of these crowds. The people that were coming out, even in LA, the people that were coming out, they weren't huge crowds, but even the Tampa crowds, the New York crowds were amazing. You know, I was at the Guardians home games and you know, even though they weren't the largest of crowds and those are huge stadiums, no question about it. The fans around here were, were great. I mean, 
Oliver Luck getting MVP chance happened during that beer snake incident last week, but he was also getting that the first week of the season. And so that when they played Seattle for the league's opener, and that kind of shows you how invested the fans who showed up for these games were. And over time, I think people would have come around to the league. I think a lot of people who are kind of casual or unsure of the league would have come around because little by little, week by week, the overall level of play was improving. And you can see how fun the actual league was, how the fans were into it, how the league was embracing it. Just the fact that Oliver Lux contributing to the beer snake was awesome. And so we're, you know, because of this whole pandemic and everything else, we're denied what would have been an exciting second half of the season, which would have helped the league grow even more. We missed out on the playoff race. There's a lot of cool aspects of whether or not the Roughnecks would have went undefeated, um, whether or not L.A. and Josh Johnson would have been a huge huge hurdle for the Houston Roughnecks that, that looked like it was going to be a playoff showdown down, down the road. The three-way tie for first place in the East, which would have come down to the final week potentially between the defenders and Battlehawks in the Dome. You know, St. Louis potentially hosting a playoff game. I mean, they were going to expand to 40,000 plus fans in, with their game with L.A. So uh, could you imagine if the Battlehawks had actually hosted a playoff game or even gotten to the championship game? So there were so many things that the league missed out on because of, unfortunately, the season being suspended. But I think over I think overall, you, you know, you you can see they left a good taste in, um, you know, in the, in the for the fans for the future. So um, in each uh, different market there. So so I, I think even though the XFL season was short and unfortunately, I think I think everyone's looking forward to them coming back. Yeah, every every market got a good taste of it. I I agree with you. You're right about that. Now you talked about uh, which uh, what was happening at at the middle of the season and what could have been, you know. And and uh, you know what I, I want to ask you what your thoughts are on who would have been. Which which two teams do you think would have been in that Western semifinal? I think the Western semifinal looked like, unfortunately, because of the Landry Jones issue and. Al Mummy being reassigned as offensive coordinator because of his injury on the sidelines and and whatever else went on there. It looked like L.A. and Houston was going to uh, be the showdown there in the playoffs. L.A. was starting to come on. And I think the Wildcats, as long as they had Josh Johnson playing at the level that he was at, that they were going to be a threat to win every game they were in. And it looked like they were going to play Seattle twice at the end of the season. And they were also going to play Dallas the last game of this season, Thursday night on Fox, which that could have been exciting because that would have been a primetime game on big network television with yeah. a playoff spot on the line. So L- L.A. was definitely set up to be a threat. I mean, that would have been, it would have been a high-scoring game in Houston between the Roughnecks and Wildcats, and that's what I foresaw happening in the West in the final half of the season. So L.A. and Houston in the West. What about the East? Now, the East was, the East was kind of crazy because New York, D.C. was in – by virtue of the fact that they beat New York and St. Louis. And they, these teams are all going to play each other because the way the XFL was set up the final three weeks of the season, every divisional team was set to play one another. And then the final week of the season, New York would, would have been at Tampa and D.C. would have been at St. Louis in the Dome. So New York might have gone into that situation with having to win and and hope for one of those two teams to lose. Because even though New York was going to get the defenders and the Battlehawks at home, the way the XFL's tiebreakers work out is the first tiebreaker is head-to-head, then it's overall touchdowns for the season, then the third tiebreaker is the amount of points that were scored against your division opponents. And because New York was blown out by the defenders and by the Battlehawks, they would have not only had to beat St. Louis and the defenders by a significant margin, but they would have had some other tiebreakers that would have worked out for them. So New York needed to run, pretty much go four and one in their last five to, to have a realistic shot to make the playoffs. And I think the defenders, and um, even though I think New York is better than the defenders at this, that point, at uh, this point in the middle of the season, I think St. Louis was going to be in the playoffs for sure. Just a flip of the coin, whether or not DC or New York would have been in there. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think St. Louis hosting a playoff game would have been amazing and them potentially getting to the championship game would have been amazing as well. So St. Louis and, and DC in the East. Okay. So you know where this is headed. Who, oh, yeah. would, have, who would have played in the final? So as, as the, I would have, if, to me, it would have been a flip of the coin between the Wildcats and Roughnecks, but I had to favor Houston because they're at home. They're prohibitive favor for a yeah. reason. They're five and zero oh for a reason. So I think it would have been Houston and St. Louis, which would have been the perfect 
championship game because Houston would have been trying to win a championship on their own home field at TDECU with the league's MVP and PJ Walker against St. Louis with Jordan Te'amu and the Battle Hawks would have been it would have been a fascinating storyline in the sense that star safety who is really coming on Kenny Robinson the XFL championship game is a day after the conclusion of the NFL draft. So imagine a scenario where Kenny Robinson had been selected by an NFL team and then on that very Sunday plays in the XFL championship game and is trying to pick off P.J. Walker. So my championship, that would have been very exciting, a great way to cap off the XFL season. Uh, Jordan Te'amu, P.J. Walker. I think the Roughnecks would have won that game, but I can tell you right now, St. Louis fans would have traveled to that game. And the fact that St. Louis would have been the city of St. Louis would have been back in pro football. And in the first year back in pro football in a championship game, I can only imagine what it would have been like if the Battle Hawks, because they played earlier in the season. It was a very close game where the Roughnecks barely beat the Battle Hawks at home. Yeah. I can only imagine what it would have been like if St. Louis, their first year back in pro football, won a pro football championship. That would have been amazing. You know, it would have been amazing. And, and your your description of the scenario with Kenny Robinson in the draft in concert with the championship. But, you know, it just makes me want to cry to think like, yeah, I won't the, ever I, see, see that. This is this is why it hurts me even more because I'm heartbroken because I actually, you know, I wrote an article at uh, XFL News Hub where I did the entire playoff picture and I broke down every schedule and all that. And I was going through all the, as I was doing it, I was going through all these scenarios in my head. And the Kenny Robinson thing is something that I've been. Uh, talking about writing about for quite some time now about that scenario. I mean, how fascinating would it have been to say, okay, the Cincinnati Bengals, say, for example, drafted Kenny Robinson in the third round, and here he is. He's property of the Bengals playing for the Battlehawks. He's an NFL drafted player playing in the XFL championship game. Um, that would have been a that would have just been that would have been the, one of the main storylines of the entire game. That was something part of me. I, you know, I'm a Guardians fan because I'm from the Northeast and you know that New York's my home, but right. part of me rooting for the league was kind of hoping that the St. Louis team would go all the way to the championship game. You know whether they play L.A. or whether they played Houston, who cares? But that would have been that would have made so, for such a great um, climax to the season. Would have been an amazing storyline. Would have been hard for the media to ignore that one, um, especially during happening during draft weekend during the NFL draft. They'd have to say, "Wow, the Bengals just drafted Kenny Robinson, the safety for the Battlehawks." He's got five interceptions, two sacks or whatever. He's currently playing in the XFL, be playing Sunday in the XFL championship game. So it's a missed opportunity. These are the scenarios I've gone through already in my head. I was envisioning the end of the XFL season being so strong. And unfortunately, we're not going to get that. It's a part of me that part of me that's uh, heartbroken about all that. Yeah, it's, I know it's hard to talk about, too. Uh, the other thing I was uh, reminds me of is how some of these players you've been talking about, P.J. Walker and Jordan Tayamu and uh, Kenny Robinson, we'll probably never see them in an XFL uniform again, as, well, certainly not next year. They'll probably be headed to the NFL, won't they? I think so. You know, obviously, Kenny's going to be drafted into the NFL, so it's a matter of Walker and Tayamu making NFL rosters. If you look at the Alliance of American Football. Uh, they had they actually had two quarterbacks that made NFL rosters. Garrett Gilbert made the Cleveland Browns as a backup there to Baker Mayfield. And so he didn't play very much during the season. But, hey, he made an NFL roster. He was very good for Orlando in the AAF. And the other quarterback was John Wolford, who played for the Arizona Hotshots. He ended up with the Rams. Now, he ended up finishing the season on their practice squad. He's still on their roster now, or their offseason roster anyway. So I foresaw in my head, and I see it happening, I see Walker and Jordan Te'amu making NFL rosters at the bare minimum as backups. Obviously, the story's been out there that NFL teams are scouting P.J. Walker and, his, and the Seattle Seahawks were mentioned by name for Walker potentially as a backup to Russell Wilson. That seems like a pretty good landing spot for him. They're both so young, and they finally got a chance to play. Well, in Tiamo's case, he's a pro rookie, so he's already shown a lot. Any teams in the NFL that run like an RPO-style offense are going to want to have a, a young backup like that who seems very intelligent, classy guy. He has all the earmarkings of a, of a very good and promising young pro quarterback. So I can't see why an NFL team wouldn't want him on their roster. The bare minimum is a second or st third string guy with potential upside. I think Walker showed enough where you can foresee him starting in the NFL and winning games. That's how I feel about him. Obviously, I'm biased towards the XFL, but I saw enough of him play in the five games that we saw that Walker is a um, – 
has dynamic skills. He can make plays off script, which is a quality that very few quarterbacks have. Obviously, the one who can do that the best is Patrick Mahomes, and he just recently won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think Walker's stock has gone up for sure. Now, what about someone like Josh Johnson? Do you think he would uh, accept an NFL role, uh, even if it was, a, let's say, a practice roster spot? Everyone knows that. I don't know about the practice roster because he, uh, the, ex, the NFL may be changing some of their CBA rules, so I'm not sure. Usually in the past, what they've had is you need if you have a certain amount of experience in the National Football League, regular season experience, you can't be a part of the practice squad. So, yeah, would Josh Johnson be capable of being on an NFL roster? Absolutely. He was with the Detroit Lions until, when was it? I guess October um, on their roster as a backup to Matthew Stafford. And then they cut him and then he ended up uh, being assigned to the LA Wildcats and all that. So we know kind of know all the background on that. But Josh Johnson throughout his entire career, and he showed it in the XFL, we know this guy can play. There's a reason why it doesn't sound great on your resume, but there's a reason why he's been with 13 NFL teams. Now, that doesn't sound great. Like, wow, you're bouncing from team to team. But yeah. that also what, what that also says, though, is that teams value enough, value you enough where they feel that you have the talent to play in the league. So they keep signing you and bringing you back. They may not assign you as their starter, but they know Josh Johnson is the type of player where. You can throw him onto the field, and because of his mobility and his arm strength, he can play. And he proved that with the Washington Redskins a couple of years ago, where they basically the Redskins were had their first four quarterbacks get injured. They basically signed Josh Johnson off the street, and then he went on to you know be fairly competitive and win a game for them. So, um, sure, he can end up as a veteran backup in some NFL camp. I just the great thing about the XFL for a guy like Josh Johnson is they were the XFL was given Josh Johnson a chance to actually start and be the leader of a team, something that he really hasn't gotten in the NFL. Well, that's just it. So so the XFL gave him that chance. He showed that he can do it. So there's a chance, in my opinion, there's a chance he'll stay with the XFL because he's not going to get that opportunity in the NFL, likely. It's possible. It's very possible, especially with the NFL teams like kind of pushing themselves towards uh, younger players. We also saw, saw though, at the end of the NFL season, with all the injuries that happened, it was kind of a rare season in the NFL where so many starting quarterbacks went down. But the Detroit Lions tried to sign Josh Johnson. Was I believe it was. And uh, the Detroit Lions tried to sign uh, Josh Johnson back to their roster if they had injuries to their quarterbacks. And the XFL mm-hmm. said, no, well, he's under contract, so uh, we're not going to allow him to go to you. And That's so, right. um, yeah, that was after he had been released and they wanted to bring him back. So, so it's always possible with injuries that – you know, the NFL will have Josh Johnson on speed dial. The question is whether or not he wants the, that role. Whether So we'll see at the end of the season. It's going to be a fascinating kind of to see what quarterbacks the XFL targets and what quarterbacks that were currently in the XFL return to the league. And Josh seem, seems like seemed like a perfect fit for the league for sure. Yeah, he does. I think a lot of people like him. I think they, he's well-liked in L.A. And I know something you mentioned earlier about the uh, – actually, you mentioned to me before the podcast about how some of the all-access moments for the XFL this year were memorable. And you mentioned the Gilbride moment uh, to me where Gilbride told the player that he was going to have to – he needed leadership on the team, right? Yeah, it was fascinating. It was towards the tail end of the St. Louis Battlehawks blowout in their home opener over the New York Guardians. And Kevin Gilbride was very disappointed, obviously, with good reason. Two straight weeks on the road, they had been blown out. And there was a lot of discipline issues and a lot of different things that went on during those two games. And Kevin Gilbride approached his star receiver, Mikhail McKay, and we caught it. We caught it. As the viewer, we listened to Kevin Gilbride tell Mikhail McKay, I'm disappointed in the guys who I thought were going to be leaders on this team, and I might have to lean on players like you to get the ship righted. And then look, two weeks later, the Guardians went on a winning streak. Luis Perez was given the starting nod. And then the Guardians announced new team captains, new leaders. Right. And so, and you know, they, they made a point on social media to, to post up the pictures of A.J. Hendy and, and Luis Perez and others who are Ben Heaney, who are anointed as team leaders. And I think Gilbride found his leaders. And that moment that, we see, we wouldn't have known about that. We wouldn't have known about the leadership issues. I mean... If we didn't hear that audio access on the sidelines, it's something that, you know, obviously I brought out in an article I wrote after that Guardians battle, uh, you know, uh, game on XFL board. So that was kind of a special moment. I know some people out there have backlash and negativity towards the XFL's uh, access. I mean, let's face it. Never as a sports fan have we've had this type of access to listen to everything that goes on on the on the sidelines i personally love it maybe some people don't i get it everybody's 
you know, entitled to their own opinion on it. But I thought we really, you know, we mentioned Josh Johnson last week in the what turns out to be the last game of the XFL regular season. Yeah. Josh Johnson went off on Norm Chow. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I wanted to talk about that. I mean, how 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 was the XFL broadcaster? How were they able to capture these moments so easily? You, if if you didn't know better, and we do know better that the XFL right. is not scripted, right. of course. <laughs> but you'd think this is being scripted. It's just so perfect, and especially <laughs> it was perfect. You would have thought, yeah, you would clearly think, and especially if this was 2001, I guess, because yeah. the whole WWE tie-in to the XFL, you would have thought Vince McMahon scripted this. But that was pretty amazing to see, and a lot of people were turned off by it. And I get, and I kind of understand why. Like, why would why would the quarterback talk that way to his offensive coordinator? That's unheard of. But I mentioned this on the show maybe about a month or so ago. On the NFL sidelines, a lot of this stuff happens. Yeah. I've watched Tom Brady, who's a legendary player, curse at Josh McDaniels. So and yell at his receivers and curse at his at his receivers. And, you know, he's got a carte blanche to do that type of type of thing. But it's not uncommon or unheard of. I've seen Peyton Manning do it, who's a mild mannered, nice guy. Um dress down his teammates and have arguments with his coaches on the sidelines. And those arguments in the heat of the battle happen more often than people think. Um, and I think the XFL turning the mics on, you know, took you behind the curtain and some people didn't like what they saw or heard, but guess what? That's what really happens in, in the middle of a football game. I know people don't like to hear that, but like you said there, it's impossible to script this. There's no way. So, yeah, so yeah, it's impossible. It wasn't none of this is scripted. This is unprecedented year 2020. I've been a sports fan my whole life. We've never had this kind of access that the XFL gave us. Never. For me personally, it wasn't always pretty. There were some strange moments. There are moments where players don't want to be interviewed or act silly and start cursing in the camera and doing all kinds of silly stuff. Some moments that are kind of laughable. The turnover mask that the dragons had. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there, there's a lot of like silly moments, a lot of moments that weren't so great players that don't want to be interviewed, coaches that don't want to be bothered. There's some of that stuff, too. You got to take the good and the bad. And But I think it was mostly good. I think it was fascinating to watch the interactions of the players with each other and the coaches with the players. And it took us really inside the game like we've never seen it before, um, only in movies, like any given Sunday or what have you. So I, that was one of my favorite parts of the XFL, to be honest. We did see that in XFL 2001 because scenes like, for example, when uh, you think uh, of Jesse Ventura and Rusty no, Tillman? No, <laughs> no, not that. I'm not thinking about Jesse Ventura and Rusty Tillman. I think <laughs> that, was ridic- that was that ridiculous. That was ridiculous. But I'm thinking of Charlie Pilari though, when he was being yeah. interviewed on the sidelines and the New York fans were calling him down, and he he talked right back to the fans then and said, "I'm a New Yorker." He said, "I can take it." And that was real. That wasn't. Scripted. Yeah, that was 100 percent real. No question about it. There was a moment there which is legendary. And I'll get back to that Polari thing in a second. But there was a moment there that was legendary with Brom where he said, let's play football. Am I a football player that's played all over the place? The current coach of the Purdue was a former that's Orlando right. Rage quarterback. It, yeah. And that was a great moment. But Brom did admit that he he got a little bit of urging before the game what to say during that moment oh he was fed a line was he yeah he was fed a little bit of a line there he said hey you know when they ask you why you're playing despite being injured you know some kind of kind of like you know they gave him like basically uh little notes there and he went he made his came up with his own little thing which was great i i I wasn't i didn't know that was fed a line but you know what the one part with that incident that i thought was really uh real was when the uh, the Bubba Cam had a shot of him on the field, lying on the field with his helmet turned sideways right after he oh, had been. Extremely real. There was also, this is one thing when people forget about the original XFL, because the XFL had sideline reporting and they had audio access for sure. The original XFL, that is, back in 2001. And you're mentioning a moment there. That was pretty scary. There was another moment with Casey Weldon, the Birmingham Thunderbolts quarterback, who was right. uh, talking to his other quarterback on the sidelines. It's a pretty scary moment. He was going through concussion um and yeah he was yeah so that was i don't know if people ever want to look that one up on youtube if it's still available out there but that's you know kind of a sad moment when you think about it It was a different era back in 2001 yeah but there's, that's a, there's a bunch of those from there yeah but. there's a bunch of those that's a story for another time but the what the original league did well was they did have that sideline access and they had sideline reporters which was kind of back then like kind of unheard of mm-hmm. and then you know became commonplace for Every broadcast in the NFL and college have someone on the sidelines 
not interviewing and getting involved in every conversation that was there, but, you know, interviewing the coaches at halftime and reporting on players' injuries and stuff like that. So the NFL wisely kind of scaled that back a little bit from what the original XFL did. And then obviously that Polari moment you mentioned was pretty funny. You know, uh, him yelling back at the at the fans while they're while they're yelling at him. Uh, that was pretty cool, actually. But yeah, so I, I like the access. I don't know. It, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I thought it was, you know, some some purists like the play calling aspect. And I like that, too. But I like the access overall. I, I agree with you. I do like the access, and I think the XFL has learned from uh, what they've done in, in this abbreviated season, and where I expect them to uh, get even better at it. Now, going forward, now we talked about players, which may or may not go to the NFL. Which which coaches do you think will come back next year? You know, Bob Stoops has come out and said he's looking forward to being back next year. You hope. It's like kind of a situation where a lot of XFL followers were walking on eggshells as we got closer and closer to the season. We kept expecting some college team to try to snap him up. Stoops has said he'll be back. He initially said when he was announced as the uh, head coach of the Dallas franchise, which then didn't have a name, that he had signed a two-year contract. So we don't know the extent of all the coaches' contracts. I guess a lot of it depends on health, whether or not a coach wants to come back, whether the league decides they want to have a coach back. One of the coaches, Winston Moss, who I thought found to be one of the more entertaining coaches in the league, definitely loaded with personality. He mentioned during one of his press conferences during the season that he put off having two separate surgeries. So I guess yeah. this time period, this time period here would give him an opportunity to have that surgery and recover in time. So I, I think because the season was cut short and Oliver Luck had a lot to do with the hires that took place in terms of the head coaches. Um, you know, he talked to Mark Tressman and convinced him to come and Tressman took the Tampa job and he worked very hard to get June Jones to agree to join the league after June Jones turned him down. And we'll have to see with Zorn and some of the others and those and some of the other coaches. So maybe a little bit older in age, but I would think that all the coaches will be back. I'm sure there's some fan bases out there that weren't too happy with Mark Tressman or weren't too happy with some of their coaches. But, you know, it depends at the discretion of the coaches, whether or not health-wise everything checks out, whether or not they want to do it again. Who knows? But um, I guess we're a long way from that. But it's a good question for sure. I think we're a long way from it. I agree. So it's fun to talk about. My opinion is some of the coaches will will move on. But I, my expectation is most of them will be back next year. Now, there's been also talk about some expansion teams for next year. Now, is that re- is that is that a possibility or is that just ridiculous? You know, the tough thing with an eight-team league, I'll say this part of it. The tough thing with an eight-team league is that when you're trying to get TV ratings, you only have those eight specific markets that are watching you. So yeah. the XFL has done well. I've posted this on my Twitter feed all the time, the market ratings. I've been fortunate enough to get that information. And so I've been posting the market ratings. And everybody's seen how kind of like Ohio has been big on the XFL in some markets you wouldn't expect, like New Orleans. And, of course, Birmingham's always had an interest in having their own pro football team. So I think they could expand. I've seen some of the reports out there from people that they're definitely going to expand. I think that's wishful thinking. Um, if there is any type of – I'm all for it. Any more teams would be great. I, mean, I have nothing against it. I think maybe you know adding two would be like a decent way to go. I don't like, I don't like a widespread expansion. But if you're looking at some of – I guess you would determine it by the markets that were the best supporters of the XFL during their run their regular season run of five weeks and you have to take a look at those markets and so obviously venues come into play and everything else and and all that and tv market size helps no question so so perhaps some of these markets out there in the bay area or somewhere else can possibly be uh potentially part of xfl expansion it's the most fun thing to talk about is expansion you know it as well as i do in terms of yeah. the xfl board message board everybody's been talking about expansion from the beginning so and it's just it's it's a fun topic for sure. It's probably the, one of the most positive topics you can have. You know, it's the promise of better days ahead for the league. So we'll see. I you know, I, I'm not against it. I'm not opposed to it. If they want to come back with 10 teams, I'm, you won't hear me vote no against that. So it would be fun. It would be fun to add a couple franchises. I don't know if that's going to happen in 2021. But like I said, I'm not against it. Yeah, it'd be, it would be a fun to have it in 2021. But, you know, it's another thing is that with the uh, current uh, business environment, things there's not a lot of business being done right now. So there's not a lot, there's no meetings right now. 
people are uh, expecting to be taking a pause right now with the the coronavirus. So right. there there might be a delay in business for the XFL. So in other words, if they wanted to, if they expected to be having uh, meetings and talks about expansion teams or uh, places, they might have. Uh, they're in a pause situation right now, so they may not have enough time. Because the XFL likes to do things with time. They don't right, like to yeah, do things like quickly. Right, yeah, discipline, yeah, discipline, decision-making and all that. You know, it's a positive, though, if they ever get to that, because then you think, okay, maybe the world has gone back to normal. So it, so let's hope the world gets back to normal so, so yeah. that they can start functioning completely as an entire league. I'm sure there'll be a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions, a lot of things that they can plan how, on how to make the league better in year two and all that. But um, maybe expansion's part of that. Who knows? But let's hope the world gets back to normal so we can – I mean, it would be great to hear that the XFL is expanding. We'll see, though. Television markets are very important to any decision, aren't they? Oh, no, no question about it. And like I said, like, you know, the XFL has only eight teams. So like the NFL has the benefit, obviously, goes beyond saying they've been around for 100 years, They're the number one pro sports league in America, but they have 32 teams. So they have 32 separate markets that watch every game. And a good portion of those markets watch every game. The XFL has eight markets that watch the games. And there are some markets that have been given the XFL a chance and watching the games. The more teams you have, the more markets you have. I think it's a big reason why the XFL chose the eight markets that they did is because they have eight of the top 22, top 23 TV markets in the country, the lowest of all being St. Louis. And obviously they have New York and Dallas and Houston and L.A. These are the top markets in the country. So um, TV markets, even Tampa is one of the top 10 markets. So that's uh, th- that's something to consider. And I think that was a big reason that the XFL chose the markets that they did was, you know, attendance is very important for sure. But you want to go into markets where you have potential to have good TV ratings. And the bigger the pie is, the better the slice you'll get. So they're probably going to expand to places where they know they can expand their their TV uh, market. Uh, I know there's some cities being bandied about right now, and there's uh, people who claim to be XFL insiders talking about some places, and I'm not even going to mention what they are because I think that's all just talk. That's my thought. Yeah, you know, the happy medium, the the happy, that's what I think, too. The happy medium, the happy medium, Mark, is if they can find a place that's kind of like St. Louis, that would love to have a pro football team and is still a strong TV market. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, So like that's, you know, so like maybe a team in the Bay Area would be interesting, either in Oakland or San Francisco or what have you, because that's one of the top 10 TV markets in the country. And maybe Oakland would be welcome a football team. I know the XFL talked to Oakland before they chose their eight locations. It didn't really work out because that city was difficult on the XFL and their demands and all that. So Mm. we'll see how that goes. But there are some logical markets that people are always going to mention. They'll mention the Chicago and all that. It's all about finding the right venues and it's all about making the right deals with these cities. So so a lot of it is speculation right now. So we're going to hang in there. We're going to wait for uh, the world to reset. Uh, we're going to wait for the XFL to reset, come back. And so this summer, hopefully, we'll be looking at summer combines again. We don't know. Uh, training camps uh, later in the fall. Uh, maybe a draft again. Uh, yeah. We're not sure, right? We're not sure of any of yeah, this. Yeah, we're not sure. And then, like, part of us and part, part of the XFL fan base is, you know, we've seen the interviews or heard the interviews with June Jones talking about the potential of them still playing a playoff game. So part of us are kind of, like, holding a torch with the, you know, holding a candle, actually, for the league and hoping that potentially they could still do some type of playoff. But the reality of it, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So, yeah, I think it'll take a little while before we kind of, like, rev up and get into all the off-season stuff and the nfl draft i think the first thing for xfl fans depending on what kind of nfl draft there is um that might be all done by video or by phone we'll find out soon enough is watching kenny robinson get drafted is probably it's a small token but it's going to feel pretty good when it does happen um you know it's like uh seeing that you know he took a real chance kenny robinson is one of the best stories of the xfl he took a real chance on the league and being a player with college eligibility to choose to choose to play in the XFL before he becomes an NFL player. So I think that's one part of it. And then once you get past into training camp, hopefully we get to the stage, get into NFL training camps. Most XFL diehard fans were watching uh, NFL training camps last year and watching NFL preseason games and speculating on which one of those players could potentially be in the XFL and then watching the cuts and everything like that. And I'm sure the XFL 
who's scouted at the Combine, all the college all-star games, Eric Galco and his team from Optimum Scouting. I'm sure they have a list of players that they're targeting for the XFL next season. So hopefully we get to the point where we can uh, discuss all these things and look forward to the next season. But the, the wound is still a little fresh. So from the season being suspended, so it might take a little time for it to heal. Yeah, for sure. You know, you talk about Kenny Robinson. I think uh, you're you've always been a big Kenny Robinson fan since I've been talking to you. Uh, although I have to admit, Mike, you're a fan of many players. I know that you've got a lot of players that you follow. Uh, now, Kenny Robinson, I still want to get his interview on this podcast. I still am driving for that and maybe it can happen now that he's not won't be with the battle hawks anymore because i could not get an interview with any players from the battle hawks because the battle hawks uh really did not think that this podcast and xfl board was important enough to include uh, in their plan so well maybe you should have said you were from st louis <laughs> you should have said well, you're based out of st louis or you're well, a missouri based I, po- I, podcast because well, they've been so it. good locally well they've that's so it. good yeah there are local media and local local media uh, scooped up all the opportunities for them because they were so popular in that local market, which is right. it's great for them. It wasn't great for us in XFL board. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hey, I um, I just remember writing a piece for St. Louis um, about their entire draft back in October, and it was the most well-received piece that I wrote because I covered a few of the team's drafts in the XFL back in October. And so many people from St. Louis reached out to me and I got such positive feedback from that. So I got a lot of love for that market. It would have been nice if they threw uh, Kenny Robinson your way. Maybe you'll interview him when he's in the NFL. Who knows? Well, that's um, my plan. I'll, I'll get him yet, but when he's not a battle Hawk, probably. Yeah. I told, I kind of uh, messaged him online, told him that no matter where he ends up in the NFL, he's, going to be a battle hawk for life so so um, that's he's always a battle hawk first no matter where he ends up in the nfl so so it's it i'm happy for him you know his mom was sick with cancer and all that so that's part of the reason why i play in the xfl and the xfl took care of his uh, schooling and financial commitments there and so that's really nice of the xfl another classy move by oliver luck and his team so yeah he's a player that i'm going to be rooting for i'm always going to think always going to connect him to the xfl so uh, no matter what happens, he could play 12 years in the NFL and all that. And, and it's just, I'm always going to remember him as a battle hawk. And he was really getting better and better every week. It was fun to watch. You know, his last game, he had a sack and an interception. So, and he was a very good player in West Virginia. Obviously, he was all Big 12. So, yeah, um, yeah he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy to root for, for sure. You know, the other guy that likes uh, uh, Kenny Robinson is Brendan Howe, who's our uh, XFL board team reporter for Washington. And, of course, Brendan is from the uh, from that northeast area as well. Now, Brendan actually had a chance to interview him. Brendan went through his his agent, and he actually interviewed Kenny Robinson and wrote an article about him. So maybe there's hope for me to be able to interview him for the podcast. So I think that's about all I wanted to talk to you today. Now, there's one last question I have for you. And this is a personal question. All right. Can you do the waiting game again? Like the countdown to XFL <laughs> is back on on the XFL board site. Can you handle that? It's a little. You know what? I can handle it for sure. Waited 19 years for the league to start. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the two year wait for the uh, the XFL to start from 2018 to 2020 seemed like forever. So this 11 month, presumably. Um, uh, wait will be will seem like a cakewalk in comparison to 2001 and 2020. So I'm game for it. I'm all in. It's going to be a little tough to get on that that horse and head towards that direction. I'm still kind of like hesitant because my heart's still attached to 2020. But uh, off to 2021 we go. Except I don't know if the XFL is going to re- still refer to themselves as XFL 2020, whether or not they'll refer to some, themselves as XFL 2021. I guess they're forever XFL 2020 at this point, especially on social media. Yeah, they're going to probably have to reboot that XFL 2020. I'm sure, you know, redo that uh, that identity, but they can do that. I'm sure that's not going to be hard for them. And, you know, one of the cool identities they took on uh, this year just prior to the season kicking off was for the love of football. And I really love that. I think that's the best thing they did for this season as they took on that identity. Yeah, I've got an article coming out on XFL News Hub, and it's been hard to get in writer's block about it, and I'm calling it For the Love of the XFL. Yeah. And um, and so it's uh, For the Love of Football. They embodied it. The whole league embodied it. And so I think you can see all the care 
and the time everyone working in the XFL and the teams put into and how much they respected the game of football and the players themselves. All you have to you look no further than the kickoff itself. The kickoff itself, the first play you ever see in an XFL game is a tribute to the players from a safety standpoint, looking out for the players' health and safety. And it's a tribute to the fans, giving them excitement back in that play. So if you don't know anything about the XFL and you want to know what the league is about, just watch the first play. Watch the kickoff. And then that mantra of for the love of football, um, it says it all in terms of like what the league stood for. Uh, so part of me is heartbroken about it. So, but that that it wouldn't the season's not going to finish. But um, you know, it's it's uh, it, they really lived up to that mantra. It was just it wasn't just a company slogan. Yeah, for the love of football. In fact, uh, if I might say this, that's the reason that people like you and I will wait 11 months for the XFL to kick off again. We will do it for the love of football, right? Yeah, no question about it. Well, I'd like to thank you, Mike, for coming out. Now, people can follow you online or read your stories on XFL News Hub or XFL Board. Um, And we'll just keep following the XFL until we see another one of those fabulous kickoffs. No question about it. Thank you. Thanks again to my guest, Mike Mitchell. Mike is always a special guest to this podcast because I've known Mike since he was a fresh young sports reporter writing about the New York, New Jersey hitman in 2001. I still have the first email he sent asking if he could contribute to the site. When the first XFL folded in 2001, Mike wrote passionately about the closure. When the XFL came back in 2018, Mike was the first 2001 reporter to express a renewed interest in writing for XFL board. In the past year, Mike has used his keen football acumen to become an XFL expert, and his skills and talent are in demand in other places. He is not just an XFL board guy anymore, and I congratulate him for that. I would also like to take the time to congratulate all the others who have contributed to XFL board in this abbreviated but very important inaugural XFL season. Alistair Fannell, Anthony Miller, Adam Peltier, Brent Doan, Colin Gray, Brendan Howe, Gavin Hayes, Greg Parks, Jackson Connor, Joseph Driscoll, John Ferguson, Justin Kelm, Jane Oaks, Mike Ellison, Mark Zelikowski, Nick Uliana, Peter Shinkai, Patrena, Sal Rico, Thomas Shanks, and XFL Chick. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. You're welcome to come back next time, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Mm-hmm.